0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Grace and Truth, a study of the book 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Nick.
1: Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that's where we'll be continuing in our study right now that we're in through the book of 1 Corinthians called Grace and Truth. We're picking up today in chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Would you please bow your heads with me and let's pray as we open God's word. Lord, thank you for your desire to speak to us. Lord, give us a desire to hear from you and give us a desire to appropriate these things, to put them into practice in our lives so we might not just be hearers of your word, but that we might be doers of it as well. Lord, we ask that this would be a time in which you work and speak in our lives and do a transforming work by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if only, if only I had a different job If only I could live there and not here. If only I could have that thing. If only I were married. If only I had kids. If only I weren't married and didn't have kids. Then I could be happy. Then I would be happy. Then I would finally be content. How many of us have said things of that nature or thought those kinds of thoughts at certain times in our lives? According to a poll which was taken in June of last year, Unhappiness and discontentment are at an all-time high in the United States. Only 14% of people who were part of this poll said that they are happy or content with their life. Many people believe that contentment and joy are determined by their circumstances. If only they had this, then they'd be satisfied. If only this thing hadn't happened, then they would be happy. A great example of this idea of saying, if only I had this, or if only that would happen, then I'd be content. A great example of that is found in one of the great stories of the Bible that depicts for us one of the most famous love triangles in all of history. It was between a man named Jacob and his girlfriend, Rachel, and Rachel's older sister, whose name was Leah. The is found in Genesis chapters 29 and 30. Jacob, he thought... If only I could be married to beautiful Rachel, then I would be happy. So Jacob worked for seven years, hard labor, to earn enough money so that he could marry Rachel. Well, Rachel had an older sister. Her name was Leah, and the Bible tells us that she was weak in the eyes. Now, which, that's kind of a, a euphemism. It's a polite way of saying that Leah wasn't very good looking. And Leah, she thought, If only I could get a man to love me, then I would be happy. And so on the day of Rachel and Jacob's wedding, prompted by her parents, Leah swooped in and she tricked Jacob into marrying her instead. She was covered with a veil. Then it was dark There was probably some libations involved, and when Jacob finally realized what had happened, it was already too late. He had been tricked into marrying Leah instead of Rachel. Leah knew that Jacob didn't want her, but she hoped that Jacob would grow to love her and become attached to her, especially if she were able to provide him with children In their family. But Jacob, he just kept thinking, if only I were married to Rachel instead of Leah, then I would be happy. So he ignored Leah and he went to work for seven more years to make the money and to be able to marry Rachel instead. And he finally did. But when he did, life with Rachel wasn't the marital bliss that he expected it to be. Because Rachel was struggling with infertility. She couldn't get pregnant. She couldn't have children. And she was frustrated and disappointed as a result of that. And Rachel began saying, if only I could have children, then I would be happy. Then I would be content. At one point, she even said, give me children or I shall die. Leah, on the other hand, she had no trouble at all getting pregnant. And with each child she had, she hoped that this child would be the one that would cause Jacob's heart to be bound to her, that would cause Jacob to finally love her and appreciate her. So she named her first son Reuben, which means, see, a son. And she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, now my husband will love me. But he didn't. And then she had another son, Simeon, which means the Lord has heard. And she said this, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. Now Leah thought, wow, with two sons, my husband will definitely love me. His heart will become attached to me. But again, that didn't happen. And so she gave birth to a third son, we read. His name was Levi, which means join. And she said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And yet, sadly, her husband still ignored her and didn't love her. Jacob, he just wanted to be with Rachel. But Rachel's over there saying, I can never be happy unless I have kids. So everyone in the story is miserable. And finally, after years of trying, Rachel does get pregnant. She has a son, and they name him Joseph which means, may God add. In other words, she was saying, Give me another one. One kid is not enough. I need more. In this story, don't we see ourselves? We do. We see ourselves. How many of us spend our whole lives frustrated, disappointed, wishing things were different than they actually are in reality? But here's the radical truth that the Bible teaches. It teaches this, that you can have contentment and joy in life regardless of your current circumstances. You can have contentment and joy in life regardless of your current circumstances. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul the Apostle, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to address this very topic, and he's going to give us a solution which can actually set you free from the endless loop of always saying, if only— The title of today's message is Bloom Where You're Planted. Bloom Where You're Planted. And what we're going to see in this passage is that the key to contentment in the midst of your circumstances is knowing the hope and the calling that you have in Christ. That's our summary sentence, our takeaway truth for this message. And I encourage you, write that down, take note of it. log it somewhere, whatever you have to do to remember it as we go. And it'll also be our outline for studying this passage today. So let's break it down as we study this passage. The key to contentment in the midst of your circumstances. That's the first part here. This section in 1 Corinthians 7 begins in verse 10, where Paul says this, To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried, or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Now remember, 1 Corinthians is a letter which Paul the Apostle wrote in response to two things. The first was questions about doctrine, which the Corinthian Christians had written to him to ask about in a previous letter. The second reason he wrote this letter was in response to a disturbing report he received about the Corinthian church. So in the first six chapters, Paul addressed the disturbing report that he received about the Corinthian church, and then, starting in chapter 7 now, Paul is answering the doctrinal questions that the Corinthians had written to ask him about. And the first of their questions that Paul addresses was a question about marriage. Greek culture, at this time particularly, was divided into two primary mindsets, the hedonist and the ascetics, the hedonists and the ascetics. The hedonists said, you only live once, so party like it's 1999, right? The ascetics, on the other hand, said, true virtue is found in denying yourself of physical pleasure in order to develop your character. So when the the Corinthians had become Christians, some of them had brought these prior mentalities with them. And they still influenced some of the way that they thought. Some of the people in the church still thought like hedonists. And they were still engaging in sexually immoral relationships. Paul addressed that earlier in chapter 6. But other people in the church, who he's now primarily addressing here in chapter 7, thought more like ascetics. They believed that it was more holy to reject physical pleasure. And so when it came to the issue of marriage, some of these ascetic minded people, they were going around saying that it was better and more holy for married people to not have sex. And Paul addressed that in the beginning of chapter 7, which we looked at in our previous study. But some people were going one step further in this discussion, and they were saying that married couples shouldn't only not have sexual relations, they should actually divorce so that they could be single for Jesus. So when Paul says in verse 10, to the married people I give this charge, understand he is speaking to Christians who are married to other Christians. And he says, look, this isn't just my opinion. This is what the Bible clearly states, that you should not get divorced. Now, you might wonder, why should Paul even need to say this? Like, why would he even need to say this? Shouldn't Christians already know that they shouldn't get divorced. Well, keep in mind that at this time, when this was written, both the Greeks and the Jews practiced what we would call no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce, which means if you are married, but you don't want to be married anymore, or if you found somebody else who you liked better, then divorce was easy, and it was socially acceptable. Which is why in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, we read that the Pharisees, they came up to Jesus and they tested him by asking him this. They said, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any reason? Now the wording there is important, for any reason, because that's actually what the rabbis at this time taught, that it was a no-fault divorce. Basically for any reason, you were free to divorce your wife. Now it wasn't so easy if you were a wife who wanted to divorce your husband. The rules didn't go both ways. But the rabbis at this time taught that if you were a husband and you wanted to divorce your wife for any reason, you kind of had carte blanche to do so. Hey, Pastor Nick here. Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. I've written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, I deal directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, or whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women. In minorities? Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there actual proof that God exists and that the Bible is trustworthy? I address these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or who has concerns about these topics. And it's a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing nine common barriers to embracing Christianity, wherever books are sold, or visit nickkatie.org. And to celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as a gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support B Set Free Radio at B Radio.com. And now back to today's message. And Jesus responded to this by saying, "Look." God's original design for marriage in the book of Genesis chapter 2 where it says this a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and Jesus concluded so therefore what God has joined together let no man separate it was true that the law of Moses had Moses had given an allowance or a provision for divorce in some cases but Jesus He explained that the allowance for divorce was meant for cases of sexual immorality. It wasn't to be a carte blanche so you could just get divorced whenever you wanted, for whatever reason you wanted. In Corinth, some Christians wanted to get divorced because they thought that it would be better and more spiritual to be single for Jesus. These are people who were saying to themselves, if only I were single— then I could really serve the Lord. Then I could really be sold out for God. And Paul says, no, that's not what God wants. Instead, seek the Lord and serve him in the state you are currently in right now. Let's continue in verses 12 and 13. To the rest I say, I and not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Here, Paul is speaking to Christians who are married to someone who is not a Christian. Now, these people are wondering, wouldn't it be better for me to leave my unbelieving spouse? That way, I could either be single for Jesus, or I could marry somebody else who's a Christian. Wouldn't that be better? And Paul says, no, do not do that if your unbelieving spouse is willing to live with you and stay married to you, then you should stay married to them and not seek a divorce. And now he's going to explain why, starting in verse 14. He says this, For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, wait a second. Is Paul saying that if a Christian is married to someone who isn't a Christian, that the non-Christian spouse and the kids are somehow automatically saved because of the Christian in their family. Is that what Paul's saying? No. The Bible's very clear, and Paul the Apostle himself is very clear in his other writings in the New Testament, that there is only one way to be saved, and that is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Nobody else can do that for you. That is something that you have to do only for yourself, right? Every person has to repent and put their faith in Jesus for themselves. So what is Paul saying if he's not saying that? What Paul's saying in verse 14 is that if a believer is married to an unbeliever, That marriage is actually considered to be a legitimate marriage before God. God recognizes that marriage. It is not an unholy union that a Christian person should therefore seek to get out of. And the kids in that family, the kids that have been born of that marriage, are also considered legitimate children in the eyes of God. They're not considered unclean, as if they were a product of an unclean or an unholy union. You see, some people in the Corinthian church, they were saying that because their spouse wasn't a Christian, their marriage was not a real marriage in the eyes of God. Or they might say that it was an unholy union or unclean, and therefore it was better for them to divorce their unbelieving spouse so they could either be single or marry a Christian. And Paul says, no, if you're married and your spouse isn't a Christian, your marriage is not unholy, It is a legitimate marriage before God in God's eyes, and marriage is to be treated as a sacred thing because the Bible tells us that marriage was designed by God to be a picture of the relationship between God and his people. So if you are married to someone who is not a believer, do not seek to get divorced. Verse 15 goes on to say this, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, a brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. If your spouse leaves you, Paul says, that's a different story. You're no longer bound. Verse 16, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Paul ends this section by giving hope to those who are married to someone who's not a Christian. Yes, it may be hard. Yes, it may be Complicated and difficult, but know this God wants to use you to have an influence on your unbelieving spouse. So live out your faith before them in such a way that it makes them want to know Jesus like you do, that it makes them want to follow Jesus like you do. Pray for them, love them, be a godly witness in their lives in the hope that they will one day put their faith in Jesus and be saved. And now Paul boils it all down in verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. He says then in verses 18 through 24, look, if you're a Jew, don't seek to become like a Greek. If you're a Greek, you don't need to become like a Jew. If you're a slave... You can serve the Lord as a slave. If you can get free, that's great. You should do it. But you don't have to wait until you are free to serve the Lord. You can serve the Lord in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance you are in right now, and you can live for and serve the Lord where you are at, in the station of life you are at right now. You know, some of the Corinthians were saying, if only I were single. Others were saying, if only I wasn't married to an unbeliever. Some others were saying, if only I had a different job. Others were saying, you know, if only this or if only that. But they were all saying, if only then I would be on fire for Jesus. Then I could really be sold out for him. And Paul's saying, no, you can be on fire for Jesus right now, where you're at, in the situation you're in. You can live wholeheartedly for the Lord right now, in whatever situation you're in. You can learn to be content in the place where God has you at this very moment. You know, the idea of being content, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, this is not just something that Paul talked about to others in theory. It was something that Paul had learned and experienced for himself. Look at what Paul said in his letter to the Philippians. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He said, For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. No matter what his circumstances, Paul said, I have learned how to be content in whatever situation I'm in. Being content is something, in other words, that you can learn. So the question is, how do we learn to be content in the midst of your current circumstances? And that brings us to our, the second part of our sentence. The key to contentment in the midst of your circumstances is, first of all, knowing the hope that you have in Christ. Paul says this, starting in verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed. Now here, Paul is going to speak to those who are not yet married. Not yet married in this section. We tend to use the word betrothed in regard to people who are engaged to be married. But where it says betrothed here, understand this is a translation of a Greek word, which means someone of marrying age who is not yet married. So someone of marrying age who is not yet married. And Paul says this, Regarding those who are of marrying age but not yet married, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Now, the present distress that Paul is talking about here is most likely a form of persecution that the Corinthian Christians were experiencing at this time. Paul says, in light of this persecution that you're facing, verse 27, if you're married, stay married. If you're not married, it's not a good time to get married because those who marry, he says, will have worldly troubles. Now, think about it. Christians in Corinth were being persecuted. So if you were married, then to leave your family, right, to get a divorce and leave your family would mean leaving them to suffer persecution on their own. But on the other hand, if you were married, well, you're going to be the target of persecution. And now they're going to target your spouse as well. So Paul's saying, it's not wrong to get married. It's not a sin. There's nothing wrong with getting married. It's a beautiful thing given to us by God. But this might not be a good time to do it in light of the present distress. Verse 28, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Verse 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. Not only were the Corinthians facing persecution for their faith, Paul also reminded them of something Jesus had told his disciples. That one day, perhaps very soon, this present world was going to pass away. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to return like a thief in the night. Think about that. How does a thief show up? Does a thief uh, shoot you a text before they come over, you know, and say, hey, I'm on my way. I'll be there in a few minutes, right? Do they call ahead and announce that they're, they're coming over and you should put your things out on the porch for them to collect? No, a thief shows up and he tries to show up when you're not expecting it. The only way to be ready for a thief is to always be ready. So the Christians at this time were ready and we should also be ready today for the coming of Jesus.
0: You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live-streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick,